0: Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you.
1: Katie, why don't you join me up here? just want to pray for you before you bring the Word. Guys, you are in for a treat this morning. In case you missed the email, uh, Tom and Katie Sappington have lived an adventurous life spanning three countries in two hemispheres. However, after 15 years in Indonesia, 22 years of ministering, inner healing, and spiritual warfare, and 42 years of marriage, Katie considers being a mother, mother mother-in-law, and grandmother to be her biggest adventure yet. Guys, if you're visiting, uh, we believe that the steady diet of teaching uh, comes from our eldership team. But we often tap experts on the shoulders that are not elders of other communities to bring a a level of expertise to our community. And I just want to tell you, I am deeply grateful that Katie is a mother in this house, a mother of mothers, um, I'm I'm excited, she mothers many. It says grandmother in your bio. (laughs) And uh, anyway. Anyways, I just want to pray for you, cut you loose, right? (laughs) Jesus, thank you for this incredible woman. Thank you for the gift that she is to our people and to many others. Lord, I just pray um, that you would speak powerfully through her. Lord, that you would minister to your body in a mighty way this morning. And I pray this in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah, we're green. We're good to go, right? Okay. Now, this morning... The first thing we're going to do is read scripture together because I said to Tom, I'm tired of just, you know, one person just reading the whole thing. So we have a responsive reading for you this morning. This is something I used to actually enjoy when I was a kid. So we're going back in time and reading together. So I'm the leader. You're the church. Just that reminder. Got it? Let's go. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And all that is in, within me praises his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits.
1: Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the dead, and crowns you with love and
0: compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that you continue mighty evils. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love.
1: He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according
0: to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he, knows how we are
1: for him. he remembers how we are
0: The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise Praise the the Lord, Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Here ends the reading of the word. Thank you for joining me. Anyway, some years ago, we were in Indonesia. I was enjoying an afternoon uh, sitting on the couch, no doubt, reading a book, when suddenly I heard a cry of distress coming from the back of the house. Mom! 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 I leaped out of my chair, or leapt as the case may be, and I ran to the back and threw open Chris's door because I knew that's where the, the sound was coming from. Now, Chris is my oldest. He's sitting here, and so I'm trying not to do anything that will embarrass him, but it could be a losing battle. He gave me permission actually this. Now he's already in high school, but he is on his bed, standing up against the wall, his whole body, it, it just like totally tense. And he's yelling, kill it, kill it, do something. And I'm like, what in the heck? And I looked down and there was this horrible thing. It's like a really horrible thing. It's about as big as your hand, right? And it, and, and these little pinchers were pinching and it's skittering on the tile floor like the aliens skitter around in that movie, you know? and. Chris and I are both like totally freaking out, and he's like, kill it, kill it. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? It's between him and the door. So there's no way to get down and get out. He's got nothing to kill it, so now it's up to me. And I'm like, okay, great. Nothing like being a mom, right? So, so I'm thinking, what do I do? So I went running out, I, and he's like, get a broom, get a broom. So I went running to the kitchen, grabbed the broom. I come back in. Now our dachshund, Loki, sensing that something exciting was happening, came screaming in this this is a dachshund you know dachshunds think they're german shepherds and they will take out anything so he comes running in there and i'm like okay saved i don't have to deal with this thing right because loki will do it he takes one look at this thing the tail comes over the back right and he goes and he turns around and runs i'm like kill it he's like "Mm, not me man so now i've got the broom i'm standing as far away from it as i can and still hold on to the broom doing this right on this thing And it's kind of skittering and twitching. And and I'm just like, we're both going, this is not helping. This is not working. What now? So then I thought, oh, maybe I have some spray or something. So I grabbed some cleaning spray from the bathroom. I'm spraying this thing. I'm pounding on this thing. Chris is going, get it, get it. The dog is cowering outside the door. I'm like, isn't this fun? Fun. Finally, it kind of curled up, you know, and had one last twitch of those things. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was horrific. And in walks Amanda. was a lot younger and she (laughs) she comes in she goes whoa what's that and chris and i are like we do not know we do not care but thank god it's now dead and she says this would be a great addition to my bug collection from my science class she gets a jar scoops that puppy up puts the lid on walks out chris and i are still traumatized by this thing (laughs) right I've been a mother for 38, almost 39 years. This is the crew when they were like little guys. So cute, yeah? This is, see I like this preaching thing because I could show you all my pictures. I've been, <laughs> the next one is them all grown up because now they are, Chris's wedding there. I've been a mother-in-law for nine years. Uh, that's Joel and his wife we were the first ones to get married and they're a little gal and then Chris and Marissa. And then I've been a grandmother for three and a half years. That's May and, and James who's quite a pickle, but during that time, I have learned that mothers have a unique opportunity to to show the love of God, and mothers are really God's love made tangible, and that's what we want to look at today. You know, when God created man in his image, he created both men and women, and um, obviously, he knew that um, he would need both men and women because, oh, yeah, there's that whole baby thing that goes on, but also, he needed men and women to be able to fully show who he is. It says in Genesis 1 um, that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So he created us to live in relationship. He created us to procreate, but he also created us to be able to show his character, to be able to exemplify it or perhaps even make it tangible. So what are the ways in which women... um, perhaps uniquely reflect that. I want to look at four attributes of, of God's love that are, that are made tangible in mothers. Um, before you get to that next slide, let me just say that I am, not, I am not saying that men have only these aspects, women show only these aspects, but what I'm saying is that I think God has created us mothers uniquely to display certain things. Just like fathers will often display the protection, the power, the provision side of it, Mothers have more of the gentling, the nurturing, the tender side of it. So God has created um, both of us to display who he is. And and I believe that his hope in in imbuing us with these characteristics was that as children grow up in a family where his attributes are being displayed through their parents, when they get old enough to to know God, to meet God, they're able to say, oh, I know you. I know you. you're familiar because my mom loved me this way. You're familiar because my dad loved me this way, and he showed, you, showed me these things about you. So what are these four aspects that we want to look at? God is nurturing. His love is nurturing. His love is gentle and tender. His love is sacrificial. And lastly, he knows us. He knows us, and he loves us as we are. So let's dig into this. We just finished reading together Psalm 103. If you think about the the first five verses, we see a very clear example of God's love as a nurturer. These verses tell us to praise or bless the Lord. Why were we going to do that? Because he forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with love and compassion. He satisfies our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagle. So, God's love is nurturing, like a mother's. The definition of nurturing is to provide food, protection, comfort, support. And this is really the picture of a mother, isn't it, with a young child? Um, A mother nurses her child. She takes care of every one of his or her physical needs. She carries that child everywhere. Did you know that one of my hips is higher than the other? Because, you know, there's always a child on that hip. Anyway, um, she, she sping, sings to the kids, speaks to the kids. You know, children start learning language from their mothers. Uh, and again, obviously, please, fathers, don't feel like you have to stand up and go, now, just a minute. I, you're obviously included in this. But it's kind of unique to mothering, too, because mothers are so often with the babies. Correct? And the young children. Children learn about emotions from mom's face. Ooh, I know what that face means, you know? So mothers are nurturing in a way that um, really reflects God's nurture. You know, I grew up with a very nurturing mother, and I have very fond memories of a lot of, of times with her. She was much more interested in nurturing than cleaning house. Praise you, Jesus. So we, we sometimes had a little bit of a mess, but we had lots of fun in the interim. We, at one point, were living um, in a place called Pinellas Point, Florida, and across the street there were three boys these boys, hmm, these boys were maybe what we would call feral children, okay? <laughs> the oldest one had a glass eye. He used to take it out for us and show us that thing. They, um, they, they one time when, when I was over, they were like, hey, come, come see what we've done. What, what had they done? Well, they were, the three boys were in two bedrooms, and they decided they wanted to be able to get back and forth without going out the door so that mom and dad didn't know if they were still up. So they took their mom's good china, and they threw it against the wall, until they broke the wall enough, then they dug it out and they created a hole. So they could go back and forth at night and nobody could tell. The, the housekeeper, both mom and dad worked, the housekeeper used to lock them out of the house in the mornings. And she would feed them through the window. Here's your peanut butter sandwich. I'm, I'm telling you, this is what... But these children loved to come to my house. Now... The first thing that they loved about it is my mom had a great sense of humor, so she had told them early on that when, when we ate meatloaf, which we did quite a bit, I like meatloaf actually, some of you, no judging, but she told them that she would mix the meatloaf with her f- toes. So they were always trying to catch her. You know, they would come across it, Your mom making meatloaf, you know, um, and, and if she had made meatloaf, when they came in, they'd be like, oh, she, oh, guys, I'm sorry, I just washed my feet, I'm just done, you know. So they <laughs> They enjoyed my mom. But the other thing was she let them sit down at the table. She fed them snacks. She talked to them about what was going on in their life. We all as, you know, she would read us stories. They were included in that story time. Um, she nurtured them. Something that they were so hungry for that when they came to our house, they were, their behavior was perfect. They didn't want a chance making my mom upset or angry because then they knew that they couldn't come back. This, and, and her mother's heart was able to really encompass these kids. And I really feel like the Lord was loving them through her without anybody even knowing. God's love is nurturing. Mothers are a picture. They're an expression. They're a tangible expression of that love. Okay, God's love is also gentle and tender. You know, um, in our Psalm that we just read, we read that God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I don't know if you've noticed, parents with young children, and often it's dads, right, who are the ones throwing the kids up in the air. They're the ones wrestling with the kids on the ground. They're the ones saying to the kids, suck it up, you're okay, suck it up. Mothers are the ones kissing the boo-boos, right? Mothers are the ones comforting the children. It was interesting, I was, I was doing a little research on this online, and I, I ran across an, an article on fatherly.com. Even though it's Mother's Day, I read that article. And one of the, 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 the title of the article is: can, God, can Dad Comfort Kids As Effectively as Mom? And the answer was: Ah. Maybe not, unless you work really hard at it, because children tend to be more receptive to mom's comforting. The author said, Toddlers go to their mothers to cry openly and be comforted. When dads are around, on the other hand, children act tough. And I think many of us have this picture in our mind that God is a stern judge or a stern father, staring at us, arms crossed, waiting for us to get our act together, Maybe we even experienced that from our dads. But actually, God is more like, his love is more like the love expressed by a mother. A mother is gentle with her child. She encourages with speech and listens attentively to her child's struggles. When she disciplines, she doesn't strike out in anger. Chris, please don't make any comments on that. (laughs) Don't forget that as I speak about mothers, all of us are going to fail we'll get to that later but we are going to fail at different times we're talking about hopefully in general <laughs> she's quick to forgive and reconciled with her child above all she loves unconditionally now jesus defined himself by this gentle love in matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 30 and i'm sure you all know this verse come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble or lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." You know, we have, I'm sure, all heard, heard it said that when, when Jesus says something about himself, he is also telling you about the Father. Because he says to us, he said to us quite plainly, I don't do anything. That the Father didn't give me to do, and I don't anything, I don't do anything that I haven't seen the Father doing. When you see me, you are seeing a perfect representation of who the Father is. So when Jesus defines himself by his gentle and lowly heart, his gentle and humble heart, he's telling us God's heart as well. There's a book that I think many of you have heard of, or maybe even be reading now, called Gentle and Lowly. And as the author, Dane Ortland, reminds us, but for the penitent, those of us who are repentant. God's heart of gentle embrace is never outmatched by our sins and foibles and insecurities and doubts and anxieties and failures. For lowly gentleness is not one way Jesus occasionally acts toward others. Gentleness is who he is. It is his heart. He can't ungentle himself toward his own any more than you and I can change our eye color. It's who we are. God is gentle jesus is gentle that's his heart and we often see that being made tangible through mothers and especially again when you look at a mother with a young child how else is a mother love like god Um, let's look at at psalm 103 10 to 12 god's love is sacrificial god does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities and then it says as far as the east is from the west So far has he removed our transgressions from us. I think we are all aware of how God has removed our transgressions from us. Our sin, our shame, our pain were all removed from us through his sacrificial love. He was willing to send Jesus, his only son, to us. You know, we usually only think of the cross in relation to sacrifice. But Jesus was willing to sacrifice everything. Think about it. Now, this is... This is God the Son sitting at the right hand of God the Father on the throne of heaven, glorified. Everything is His, was made through Him, is for Him, It holds together by Him, and He gave that all up. In Philippians 2, 6-8, it says, "...who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What an incredible sacrifice, not just of his life, but but I don't know if all of you are aware that a cross was the most shameful, dishonorable way that you could die. And in fact, in the Old Testament, it says, cursed be he who's hung upon a tree. In other words, Jesus went to the very, very depths of sacrifice for you and me. We, when we look at how that love is played out, we look at mothers, because if you want to talk about self-sacrifice, look at mom, right? Let's start out with nine months, OK, of incredible discomfort. You've all heard that thing. You be nice to me because I carried you for nine months, right? Some of us feel like that was actually 20 months, but I've heard that, no, that's not true. It's not comfortable. It's not fun. There's a sacrifice involved. I feel like I sacrificed my bladder. Um, giving birth is a sacrifice. It, it involves incredible pain. I think any woman who has born a child would say, okay, if you, I would love to pass that thing by, if possible, having a child. But mothers are themselves ready to do it. We give ourselves willingly. Why? just like Jesus did, we are ready to do it because the the outcome of it is so amazing in our lives. You know, caring for a newborn is a study in self-sacrifice. I thought I was like a really unselfish person until Chris was born, I'm just saying. I was 24 years old, pretty much had it all together, and I knew I was ready for a kid because, you know, I understood what it meant to sacrifice. I realized later that Chris did not really give a hoot how I felt about anything in life at that time. He did not care if I was hungry or tired in the bathroom, if I, if I needed coffee, right? He didn't care if I was about to sit down to a hot meal. Okay, so this is true confessions. If your food is hot, you should eat it hot. It should not be eaten at room temperature or cold. I'm sorry, but this is a thing for me. So, imagine now, I've got the food on the table, and what do I hear? Okay. That was really hard, so I had to learn how to sacrifice hot food. That was big. I actually learned how to eat with both hands, so I could nurse and then switch. I I can do chopsticks with my left hands, I want you to know. We learn how selfish we actually are when we have young children. We learn that we have to give. It doesn't matter how we feel in the moment, we just move into it. And then mothers continue to sacrifice in big and little ways throughout a child's life. Mothers are often the ones sitting up at night with a, a child who's sick. Mothers often, often will postpone or give up the dreams of what they had in mind to do to provide emotional and, and physical support to their children. Um, single mothers are often the most self-sacrificial with the least amount of help. You know, it, it struck me uh, several years ago, I was I was reading some, something online about an athlete, and it struck me how many times I've heard athletes say, you know, I, I, all, I owe it all to my mother. My mother made me work hard. My mother was my biggest supporter. I owe it all to mom. And so I was, I was looking the other day online and found a quote from Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, obviously one of the most well-known soccer players in the world, and this is what he said, my mother has raised me by sacrificing her life for me. She slept hungry at night so that I could eat. We did not have money, and she worked seven days a week so that I could be a football player. My whole success is dedicated to her. Do you see that? She slept hungry at night so I could eat. She sacrificed everything for me. Mothers have a chance to learn to be self-sacrificing, actually, in a way that no one else can. And I have said this before to young mothers. We have a training school to be like Jesus that most people don't have. A mother learns to serve when she doesn't want to. She learns to set aside her own dreams, her own desires, and she learns to love unconditionally through these things. I'm pretty sure that Jesus said that the first shall be last, and the last shall be first, and I came to serve and not to be served. And I think when we get to heaven, there are going to be some very surprised men (laughs) because there will be all these mothers walking around with their crowns, trying to balance their crowns, right? (laughs) And all those servant leaders out there are going to be going, whoa, those women really knew how to serve. And I don't say that as a matter of pride, but saying what what a treasure it is for us as mothers to be able to learn to be like Jesus in this way. And what a treasure it is for children to be able to experience the sacrificial love of God through their mothers. Lastly, God knows us and loves us as we are. In our psalm we read, for he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. The psalm goes on to say we're all gonna die and be forgotten. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. God knows us and loves us as we are. I think there are many people who feel that God is disappointed in them. But listen to me. If you never receive anything, receive this. God is not disappointed to you because, in you because He knows who you are. He knows where you came from. He knows what you experienced. He knows what you believe. He knows the things you struggle with. He knows what you're doing to try to overcome those. He knows what you've put in a place to protect yourself. He knows you, so He's not disappointed. He may long for you to be set free. He may long to see you grow, but He's not disappointed in you. Because he knows you. He has no other expectation for you than what you are. It's the same with our mothers, isn't it? Moms know their children's strengths, their weaknesses, their likes, their dislikes, their dreams, their trauma. You know, we had three kids. You saw their cute faces. They were so different. We used to joke uh, in our family that Chris, well, Joel never met a stranger. You know, you know that kind of person, Joel never met a stranger? But Chris never m- wanted to meet a stranger. That was, that was kind of their, that was their hearts. Chris had plenty of friends, but he, he had a smaller group. Joel was friends with everybody. You breathed, he was ready, okay? Amanda was somewhere kind of in between. I knew the things that they liked to eat. Sometimes I would forget. Sometimes it's hard keeping it all straight, isn't it, moms, right? Who doesn't like peanut butter and who likes the jelly this much and the crusts off and all that kind of stuff. But you learn that. Why? Because you're intimate with your child. You've been walking through every moment with your child. You know your child inside and out. I knew for instance that Joel would always be outside getting dirty, falling off things if possible. I assumed I would find Chris in front of the computer because that's where he was really interested. I knew that Manda would be right by me because she loved BD on everything that I was doing. They're each unique and I knew each one. I had no expectations that Chris was suddenly going to be uh, making friends with everybody and I had no expectations that Joel was suddenly gonna be sitting in front of the computer all day. Two totally different people in the way that they responded to the world. And so we responded, I responded differently to each one. That is God. That is his heart. He not only knows the hairs on your head, as it tells us in Matthew, but he knows everything about what happens internally. I, I had um, a chance to learn this early on in our, in our ministry. So in Indonesia, we founded a ministry of inner healing and spiritual warfare. Some of you are familiar with this. But inner healing is basically allowing God to speak into those areas of our hearts where we are still wounded by life. And it involves sitting quietly with God and listening to him. Something that can take some practice, let me tell you. I had to learn how to do that. But early on in our ministry, we, we were approached by a pastor who said, I really want you to I want you to minister to my wife. Now, I was ministering with my friend Indra, and um, we said, well, what's going on with your wife? Now, this man, Pat Benny, his wife was an evangelist and a pastor's wife. We really respected her. He said, she's getting very angry. She's full of anger, and it's becoming, it's getting unleashed more and more on our children, and I'm concerned. I'm concerned they're going to grow up really resenting their mother. And besides that, I'm tired of all the anger in the house, so you do something about it. <laughs> okay. So, Bubeni came to us, and um, at first she was kind of this, this thing, you know, yeah, my husband said I had to come here, so here I am. But we said to her, okay, tell us your story. Okay, well, if you want to hear it, I'll tell you about it. She was raised by an incredibly violent and abusive father. Dad had... divorced mother early on. Mother was not in the home any longer. She was not even allowed to see her mother. Dad had a string of women coming through. He was a gambler, so they were incredibly poor, but whatever money they had, he gambled away. He was um, abusive every way except sexually, so he was abusive verbally, physically, mentally, emotionally. He was abusive to her. And she hated him. Bottom line. She hated him, and she was angry with men in general because of dad. So what's happening at home now? Her boys are growing up. They're becoming men. They're now part of the target that she's angry with, and she was letting it fly. So we said to her, okay, Boo Benny, we are going to talk to the Lord about this. And I mean, her story was bad. It was really bad. And we said, where do we begin with this? We didn't even know. So we said to the Lord what we often do. Jesus you know, where do you want to begin? Is there a particular memory that she needs to address? Are there things she believes that you want to show us? What, what do you want to do? So she's sitting uh, next to us, and Indra and I are praying, and after a while she says, oh, oh, I remember that day, oh. We said, well, Bubeni, what is happening? Her whole body was tense. And she said, oh, this was the worst day. What happened on the worst day? Well, she said, I was watching my little brother. Now, she was about eight years old at the time, and she had her toddler brother in what they call a salendong. It's like a a long piece of cloth that's used to tie the the baby to your back, okay? So she had the baby tied to her back, and she was cooking the family meal. She's cooking on a fire, right? Wood fire in a big pot. She's cooking rice on the stone hearth in in their kitchen area. She bent over to stir the rice, little brother, fell onto the, and of course, he hit that stone and he started screaming bloody murder. Dad comes rushing in, picks up baby brother, rushes out of the room. I think that that his current woman was in that room. Comes running back in, picks up a stick of the wood that they used to cook with, and he starts beating her. He's beating her until she can't stand up anymore. And when she's on the ground, he's beating her more, especially around the legs. Then he picked her up, and he carried her to the central post of their home. Now, in Indonesia, the the traditional homes are are fairly basic, but they have usually a two-story ceiling, and there's a big post that holds it up, and that allows the air to circulate a little bit because it's very hot and it's very humid. So he tied her to the central post in their house. And then that wasn't enough, so he went into the kitchen, and he came back with a handful of bird's-eye chilies, you know those little green chilies that they use in Asian cooking? And he stuffed her mouth full of chilies, and he tied her mouth shut. Now, this is the memory that God brought to her. And Indra and I are both going, wow. Like I said, her whole body is tense. She's feeling the anger and the humiliation and the pain. And we suddenly said, we got to pray. we got to pray. Okay, Jesus... What do you want to show her about that moment, about that moment of trauma? Where were you in this moment of trauma? What what does she need to know about you, about what you were doing about your love? Whatever it is, Jesus, would you show yourself to her? This is how we often pray about trauma. Now, I'm expecting I'm expecting Jesus to come in, you know, like like he would in Revelation on the white horse. You know, he's gonna come in, he's gonna, he's gonna untie her, he's gonna love her, he's gonna wipe away her tears, he's gonna care for her, the conquering Jesus coming into his own like this. I was so excited. I'm waiting, just' waiting. Pretty soon she started to cry. And we're like, oh, this is good, something's happening, right? So he said, Boo Benny, what's going on? She says, I see Jesus, I see Jesus. I said, I'm like, oh, you score, yes, he's coming. Where is he? What's he doing? He's on the cross. I'm going to go, what, Jesus, what are you doing? What, what is, you know, come in and rescue her, what are you doing? And so we're kind of like, uh, okay, where are you? She says, I'm standing under the cross. And I'm, and I'm still going, in my own heart, I'm still going, what the what? Jesus, could you, could you take care of this, please? This is, what are you doing? And then, and then she said, oh, the blood. Oh, the blood. And then she started to just weep, like uncontrollably, right from her diaphragm, just weeping. And we finally said, Boo Benny, what is happening? And she said, Jesus' blood is falling on me. It's falling on me. Jesus loves me. He loves me. Okay, so now Indra and I are passing the tissues. We're all sobbing. This is what, don't forget, this is a pastor's wife. This is an evangelist who had brought many people to the Lord. But never before in her life had she actually experienced the love of God. Now, if I had been in charge of that whole thing, I would have screwed it up. Right? I would have sent Jesus in, untie her, kiss her, hug her. She didn't need that. God knew what she needed. God knew he needed to show her himself in extremity just as she was in that moment of extremity herself. The deepest moment of extremity. She's tied to a post with a mouthful of peppers. Jesus said, I'm on the cross. I'm bleeding for you. It's falling on you because I love you. So I learned my lesson that day. It's up to him to figure out what he wants to do and to do it rather than me. We led her then in receiving that love. And over the weeks that, that came after, she was able to start forgiving her father to the point where about six months in, she was able to actually give him a gift, which um, in, a, in a culture where what you do is important is what you say, giving him a gift said to him, I have forgiven you. I want relationship with you. But that never would have happened if God had not been able to touch that place in her heart that he needed to touch because he knew what she needed from him. And it's that way with all of us. He knows what we need from him. So where do we go with this? And You know, God created mothers so that we could receive love through them that would one day introduce us to him. because we're human, we fail. I know I failed at times being a mother. I told, I told all three of our kids, you're gonna need to see a therapist, feel free, <laughs> right? Actually, all three of them, we did some inner healing with all three of them, um, Chris with someone else, but all three of them have experienced that because we know we screw up. We teach them things that are not true about God and about themselves and about the world. We fail, and because we fail, our children find it harder to receive love especially God's love. But God is able to heal and restore the wounds that our mothers created. He's the source of every expression of mother's love. In response to this, I would like to pray for you all. Now, I know that in this group, there are people who are saying, I had a fabulous mother. I say that. It was a huge gift. And I know there are other people in this room who are saying, "Uh, well, my mother was not like this. My mother didn't didn't show me the things that God created her to show me. I understand that. So I would like to pray together. I hope all of you will just find a comfortable spot in your chair and in your head, <laughs> in your heart to be open to receiving whatever the Lord has for you. So let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that you created mothers to express your love to us, to be a tangible um, expression of who you are. We thank you for the mothers who have had open hearts, who have had serving hearts. Thank you for the mothers who spoke words of love and kindness, who were tender. Thank you for the ones who knew us so deeply and could really enter in to all that we experience. We thank you, Lord, that you have um, shown us yourself through our mothers. But Father, we also acknowledge that, that many of our mothers didn't love us the way you created them to love. Lord, we know as often because of their own woundedness, their own brokenness, many of them didn't learn how to love from their mothers or from their fathers. Some of our mothers don't even seem to have the capacity to love, Lord. And this has created deep wounds in our hearts. And in this moment, Lord, I want to represent those mothers. So those of you who have had mothers who wounded you, let me speak to you. God gave you to me as an incredible gift, but I didn't receive you. I blamed you for everything that went wrong in my life, for every bad choice that I ever made. Instead of protecting you, I abused you in word and in deed, and I stood by while others abused you as well. I disciplined you out of anger until you were afraid to make a mistake. My love was conditional. I withheld it until you reached the standard I set for you but I was never satisfied with the way you looked, the way you acted, the grades you made, no matter how hard you tried. I never came to your ball games, your recitals, your concert. I was never proud of your accomplishments. I depended on you to make decisions for me or to comfort me when I was sad and depressed. I made you my surrogate spouse and I treated you like you were the adult and I was the child. I never showed you affection, never spoke words of love to you, never forgave you when you messed up. I was selfish, immature, obsessed with my own pain. I wronged you in so many ways. I pray you'd forgive me and set yourself free from all the bitterness and unforgiveness you have toward me so that it no longer holds you captive. I pray you will release me to God for his judgment. And I pray you will receive the love that the Father has for you. Let him fill that place in your heart that is longing for love, longing for nurturing, longing for tenderness and gentleness from the God who sacrificed himself, who knows you